Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. It's November 1621 on the windy shores of Plymouth, Massachusetts. A small group of pilgrims gather in the chilly air in a dirt clearing. Their numbers are small, much smaller by half from those who started the long and perilous journey a year ago by ship from England. They sailed on the Mayflower, a voyage that would later go down in history. Only 50 pilgrims, 22 men, four women, and 20 plus children and teens gather for this day's feast. They've invited the Wampanoag Indians and their leader, Osamequin, also known today as Massasoit, to the celebration. Without Chief Osamequin and the Wampanoag people, the pilgrims would have not survived their first winter on these new and forbidding shores. Every pilgrim has lost someone during the past year, a spouse, parent, sibling, or friend. Those remaining have much to be thankful for this fall, warm cabins, a bountiful harvest, and peace with the Wampanoags. So in thanks, they scurry to prepare a feast fit for a chief. Fish, turkey, bread, corn, fruits, and vegetables. Soon they hear the rustling in the bushes, and a tribe of 90 Wampanoag Indians enter the clearing, a great chief leading the pack. They are dressed in feathers, leather, and beads. They are a striking group with strong bodies, painted faces, and long, flowing hair. They walk with pride and grace. Between twelve proud warriors are strung the carcasses of five deer tied to wooden poles. The poles are perched atop bronzed shoulders, and the sight of these plump deer remind the pilgrims how hungry they are. Greetings are exchanged, a mixture of hand signals, English and Wampanoag words, as well as gifts of food, beads, clothing, and tools. One Wampanoag knows English, and he acts as an interpreter between the leaders of the pilgrims, William Bradford, Miles Standish, Edward Winslow, Stephen Hopkins, and John Carver, and the chief. The interpreter's name is Tisquantum, later named Squanto. On previous visits with the pilgrims, he stated that the chief's name was Massasoit Osamequin. The pilgrims mistakenly think that Massasoit is his first name, but it's actually his title, meaning great leader. This mistake by the pilgrims is further compounded when they write down the chief's name as Massasoit in their journals. From then on, the chief is known by the name Massasoit, by the pilgrims, and later by history. Pilgrim Edward Winslow is awed and a little anxious at the sight of the sturdy, striking chief. He describes the leader in his best years as an able body, grave of countenance, and spare of speech. His attire is a great chain of white bone beads about his neck, and behind his neck hangs a little bag of tobacco. His face is painted red, and he oils both head and face. The Wampanoags get to work building fires and erecting spits to roast the venison. The pilgrims help them prepare the carcasses and position them above the flames. The men then go hunting. 
They gather turkey, ducks, deer, and rabbits. The teenagers scramble along the rocky shores, harvesting seafood, mussels, clams, and lobsters. The women and children mash corn porridge and fill wooden bowls with berries and nuts. The hunting party returns, and everyone settles around the spits to smoke, drink, laugh, and trade. The pilgrims show the Wampanoags how to use the tools they brought from England, and in turn, they show them how to plant native seeds and where to fish. By midday, the feast is ready, and everyone gathers to dine. The venison is juicy and tender. Never has anything tasted so good to the grateful pilgrims. Everyone dives into platters of fish and turkey, mixed with an array of cranberries, blueberries, and gooseberries. Hot squash and cooked pumpkins simmer in the chilly afternoon as a warm treat. The men light their pipes and sit around the fire as nighttime descends. The women and children clear the feast and store the remaining food so that pesky possums and predators will not steal the spoils. The Native Americans erect tents to use as shelter during the three-day celebration. Soon sleep overtakes the revelers, and everyone retires after a long, busy day. The next two days are much the same, filled with hunting and feasting. On the third afternoon, Chief Osamequin, Tisquantum, and the warriors head back into the forest, back to their own villages and families. It's been a truly memorable time for all, and one that will go down in history thanks to President Abraham Lincoln, who declares it as the first American Thanksgiving. We know a lot about the Mayflower Pilgrims and their first years in Massachusetts, from journals and manifests they left behind. But what do we know about Chief Osamequin and Tisquantum? were involved in this historic Thanksgiving. It's believed that Chief Osamequin was born around 1581 and was the leader of the Wampanoag people, also known as the Poconuckets, living in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. For years, the chief had been dealing with diseases raging through his villages. Early explorers from Normandy, Brittany, and Bristol arrived on their shores fishing for cod to take back home. The travelers brought diseases with them that quickly swept through the tribes. The American Indians, having no natural resistance to foreign diseases, quickly succumbed. In addition, the Wampanoags were battling with the Narragansett tribe, also from Rhode Island. With his dwindling tribe, the chief knew he needed strong allies. The pilgrims then landed on his shores with healthy men and strong weapons, weapons the Wampanoags did not have such as mighty muskets with buckshot that could fly further than tomahawks or arrows. Chief Osamequin might have taken this as a sign from the heavens that these new people were here to help him against his enemies, the Narragansett tribe. Or he wisely knew he could barter with these men. He could make a peace agreement with them. He and his tribe would not attack the pilgrims and would teach them to hunt, farm, and fish. In return, the pilgrims would help him protect his people against the Narragansett. But in order to communicate his proposed peace treaty, he needed an interpreter. He knew someone named Tisquantum, who was familiar with the strange language called English, and he sent him to speak with the pilgrims. And how did Tisquantum know English? Well, that's a sad story. Tisquantum was part of the Patuxet tribe, and their summer village was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. In 1614, when he was in his 20s or 30s, Tisquantum was taken captive by an English explorer named Thomas Hunt. Thomas Hunt was sailing along the New England coast 
gathering furs and cod to sell in Spain. He decided that in addition to gathering pelts and fish, he would take captives. Hunt landed near Plymouth and lured 20 Patuxics on his boat, including Tisquantum, to talk trade. But instead of a friendly discussion, he took them captive and sailed them with him to Malaga, Spain, to be sold into slavery. Some kindly monks took pity on Hunt's captives and paid for them. The monks then taught them English and religion. Sometime thereafter, Tisquantum traveled to London, maybe as a worker or a helpmate, to a merchant or ship's captain. In 1619, Tisquantum returned to America, possibly by convincing London businessmen that he could make them rich with expeditions to America. He joined a ship bound for America. When they landed, he found that his whole tribe, which once numbered 2,000 members, had died from diseases. Tragically, he was the last of the Patuxet tribe. History doesn't record how or when he met Chief Asimekwin, but it was possibly upon his return from England. A year later, in 1620, the pilgrims arrived at Plymouth, and the tribes held a three-day meeting to decide what to do with these new people. Tisquantum urged Chief Osamequin to make friends with them. He told the chief of the great wonders he had seen in England, and convinced him that if he befriended the pilgrims and made them their allies, the other Native Americans would have to bow before him. In March 1621, Chief Osamequin sent Tisquantum to speak with the pilgrims on his behalf. Tisquantum then stayed with the pilgrims for 20 months, teaching them where to fish and hunt and how to plant and fertilize their seeds for a bountiful harvest. He also helped rescue a small boy taken captive by another tribe. Tisquantum introduced the pilgrims to the fur trade and went on sailing and trading trips with them along the Cape Cod coast. He acted as a guide and interpreter. Sadly, on one of these trips, Tisquantum fell ill from a fever. William Bradford stayed by his side for days before Tisquantum passed away on November 30th, 1622. This was two years after the pilgrim's arrival. He was approximately 42 years old at this time. It was a great loss to Chief Osamequin and the pilgrims, and they dearly mourned his passing. As for Chief Osamequin, he lived a long life and worked to keep the peace between various warring tribes and the expanding colonies. He was once taken hostage by an enemy tribe, but with the help of Tisquantum and the pilgrims, he was released. He had five children, sons Wamsuta, Pametekamet, and Sonkanuchu, and two daughters, Amy and Sarah. In the early 1620s, Chief Asamequin became very sick and was nursed back to health by pilgrim Edward Winslow. The chief was forever grateful and stated, The English are my friends and love me, and I will never forget this kindness they've showed me. And he was true to his word. When he learned about plans by another tribe to attack the two pilgrim colonies, Chief Osamequin warned the pilgrims. Sadly, tensions between the growing colonies and the American Indian tribes only grew worse throughout the years. In 1649, Chief Osamequin sold 14 miles of land to Miles Standish and other pilgrims near Duxbury, Massachusetts. This was done in an effort to keep the peace and give the pilgrims some land of their own. Chief Osamequin passed away between 1660 and 1662 in his 80s or 90s. His eldest son became the leader after his death. 
However, he died within a year and the chief's second son became the next leader. During his lifetime, Chief Asamekwin was a dedicated peacemaker, skilled mediator, and honorable leader. Today's statues in his honor are displayed at Plymouth Rock, Brigham Young University, the Utah State Capitol, the Springville Museum of Art, and in Kansas City, Missouri. Two places in Massachusetts are named after him, Massasoit Community College and Massasoit State Park. It's undeniable that the pilgrims and the generations of immigrants who arrived on America's shores in the centuries that followed owe a huge debt of gratitude to Chief Osamequin, Tisquantum, and the Wampanoag people. Without their guidance, assistance, and protection, the first colony would surely have perished. These brave humans have provided us with examples of how to live an honorable life, respect nature, keep your word, live as a community, give as much as you receive, and help your fellow man. It's sad that so little information remains about the life and times of these Native Americans, but maybe when you gather around your Thanksgiving table this year, you'll take a moment to give thanks to Chief Osamequin, Tisquantum, and all of the other Wampanoags. <laughs>